Welcome to Dr. Cheryl's Pod Couch, where we talk about all things parenting and mental health. When you are done listening to today's episode, please rate, review, and subscribe. Today, I'm excited to have on Skylar Totman. We have never spoken before, but I have heard such good things about him. So let me tell you a little about him. He is a coach with boot camp for new dads with 12 plus years experience. He has listened to thousands of guys mansplain breastfeeding and probably lots of other things. But these aren't just any guys. They're experienced veteran dads who brought their four-month-olds back to boot camp and they share their insights gained since their babies were born. He learned to ask vet dads about breastfeeding specifically because almost all agree that supporting mom through breastfeeding brought greater challenges than supporting her through birth. I am so excited to ask you lots of dad questions. Welcome to my show. Glad to be here. First, right off the bat, I am super curious how you first got into boot camp for new dads and um, how that's evolved for you. Boot camp for new dads has been around about 20 years now. And I got into boot camp for new dads because I didn't take it as a new father. It's a class for expectant dads. You come in, oh, maybe a month or two before your baby is born. And uh, I did. I chose not to. Yeah, I knew about it, but I chose not to take it. And I, as a result, I learned a lot of lessons the hard way. I was not emotionally prepared and prepared in other ways to become a dad. And frankly, I put my I put my kids in danger as a result. Wow. So, so you really think you actually put them in danger? I do. Yeah. And how many kids do you have? I have two, a 16-year-old son and an 18-year-old daughter. She's off the University of Montana now. Oh, how nice. Yeah. So that's kind of nice because right now your kids are older. So not only do you have a lot of experience with this boot camp for dads, but you also just have an experience, lots of experience just being a dad mm-hmm. of a college and a high school age kid right now. That's great. So how did you, I understand what brought you to it, but how did you actually become a facilitator? And it sounds like this program has grown and um, you're speaking probably to thousands of dads at this point. I uh, meet with about 75 dads a month now and indirectly uh, through I and other coaches around the Denver area. And it's an international program, but in the Denver area alone, which is kind of a hot spot, we probably meet with roughly 200 dads a month. That's amazing. Yeah. Uh, you you saying how it's evolved. It has grown. And uh, it existed before I was there. I'm, I'm a coach with it. It's headquartered out of California. It's actually available through uh, bootcampfornewdads.org to anybody, anywhere. I actually, the the coronavirus has allowed us to be international. I uh, I do the sessions in Denver, but I actually had a, uh, a dad come in from New Zealand and participate uh, via Zoom in it. So yeah, it's a fascinating thing. We're always continuing to address best practices. Now we, uh, we include a lot of conversations, for instance, now about bringing a baby home during the coronavirus. Uh, how do you, how do you, um, manage your family and the mother-in-law who very much wants to come and uh, say that she's supporting you, but actually kind of take over. <laughs> how do you, how do you leverage COVID-19 to manage your family? Those kind of evolving and organic, organic uh, conversations. What challenge are we facing t- these days? Yeah, so. absolutely. So, so take me back though, to you were uh, once, you know, a new dad yourself. You didn't take this kind of boot camp class. How did you get to the point where did you take it for your second child or did you hear about it? Like, how did how did you get into it? Uh, going back to what I said earlier, I 
learned a lot of lessons the hard way. And I am an educator and I decided that other dads shouldn't learn these lessons the hard way like I have. And so I actually began to develop a curriculum and got excited about it and then went online and, you know, did a search to find out who else was doing it and was terribly discouraged to find out that somebody else had invented something I want to invent. As a guy, that's that's lousy. Um, But I got looking at their program and their format for how to equip and encourage and build confidence in new fathers was better than anything that I was coming up with. So I decided not to reinvent the wheel, but to go with a better wheel than I ever could have come up with. And it merits, uh, that description merits a little, kind of an overview of what boot camp for new dads looks like. A typical session has 12 to 18 expectant dads in it, guys about two months out from their due date, one month out, and three or four veteran dads who bring their their three-month-olds back. And these guys are the experts. They're, they're living through and they've just experienced the challenges that uh, the expectant dads are about to face. They've been through the delivery room. They've said the stupidest thing they could possibly say to mom at two o'clock in the morning. And they've got a lot of wisdom. So my job as a coach is to introduce the topics we found to be important and then hand it off to these veteran dads. I refer to them as the ghosts of Christmas future for the expectant dads. And they, we spend three hours picking their brains. And one of the things that we do at the beginning of the class is I ask the expectant dads, I just stop and say, can these guys be honest with you? Can they tell you, do you want them to pull punches? Do you want them to be kind about what they have to say? Or do you want them to give you the answer that you really need? And all of the participants kind of stop. And it's, it's for some, it's the first time they've ever been asked that question. And they all say, yeah, I really want to know what it, what it actually is. And the next three hours are extraordinarily candid as a result. Okay. So is it one time, a one-time class? Do they come back more than that? Technically it's a two-time class because you come as an expectant dad. And then I invite you back as a, as a veteran dad. And a lot of the veteran dads come back and say, I learned a lot of things here by coming back that I, we drink from a fire hose over that three hours. We cover an awful lot of ground. It's, it's more about building uh, the participants' confidence than it is giving them this information and sending them out equipped. So yeah, it technically it's twice, but yeah, it's a one three hour session. Okay. And then do they do things like, do they change somebody else's baby's diaper? Yep. Burp them, hold them. In when we're in person, and it's a it's a dimensional difference. Right now, we're doing all these boot camps on Zoom, but ordinarily, I'm meeting in a room at a hospital, and these guys bring in their babies, and they hand them off to guys who sometimes have never held a baby before, and all of a sudden, they've got this baby in their lap, and I've watched guys who are concerned. And you kind of keep an eye on their shoulders. Uh, they stop. They don't breathe. They don't blink. They don't move. And after about 30 seconds, they say, wow, I, I can do this. And they relax. And the baby looks at them and they look at the baby. And one of the things that I've learned is that whenever a, what we call a rookie dad, an expectant dad, is holding a baby, they're not going to hear anything anybody else is saying. They're just experiencing that contact with someone who trusts them because they have to. Ah, I love that. So what, you know, what are some themes that over all of these years you've seen that come up, whether it's what, what men are afraid of 
or what they really also just had no clue about that is a big aha moment for them. Yeah. And that's on a conscious level. To answer that question, you understand on the conscious level and also on the unconscious level. A lot of guys come in and, um, well, I'll tell you a story. A guy come in and uh, the questions are different. If a guy attends the class three months before the baby's born, he asks certain questions. The guy who comes in two weeks before his baby is due, he's asking more emotional, more heart level questions. And um, the guys coming in three months are saying, oh, tell me about financing. How do you budget? Some more impersonal questions. And a guy come in, a tall guy. He came in. He, he came to an evening class. He was in his suit and tie. He said, yeah, my, our baby is due in about two weeks. And he asked a finance question. What's a what's what's budget like? And that always piques my interest when they're asking those questions at that time. And sure enough, we go around, we do introductions. And he he told the crowd. I'm a lawyer. I work 100 hours a week. My wife's a lawyer. I work 100 hours a week. We both were both very career oriented, very driven, very type A. We wonder how this baby is going to fit into our life. There's a lot to unpack in those statements. Mm-hmm. And I remember that. I just sort of kept it in mind, but I go through a lot of dads. Three months later, uh, we're in a, I'm in another class and a guy comes in with his baby and he's in a rumpled t-shirt and shorts, hair's undone, unkempt, uh, kind of a tall guy. The question gets asked, what do we do about daycare? And this guy let the other guys answer, okay, we chose the daycare this way. And he's talked about it. So, yeah, we, we got references. We went around and we looked and uh, we, we interviewed. We looked at evaluations, things like that. And at this point, I began to remember that this is the same dad. He looked at the guys and you could tell he was a trial lawyer. And he said, yeah, so as a service to my wife, I told her I would bring the baby to daycare at six months. So I, I drove my baby to the daycare. I sat in the parking lot for 45 minutes and bawled my eyes out. I drove home. I resigned. I'm an at-home father now. You could have heard a pin drop in that room. It, from, a, from a, an emotional climax point, I, sh- I could have ended the class right there. And he said, yeah, I'm, I'm at home. It tells you a little bit about the transition these guys go through. And I'm so blessed and so fortunate that I hear hundreds of those stories. And uh, they're wonderful. So I'm not sure if that answered your question or not. (laughs) Well, the great story. But there's also, you know, you said some things in there that are so interesting. I think a group of expectant mothers maybe would ask different questions. So it sounds like there's (laughs) themes around uh, finances, budgets, you know, Mm -hmm. the logistics of daycare. Like you said, a little farther out from the due date. Yeah, that's the planning element of it that these guys are asking about it. Because mm-hmm. one of the things we talk about is that the baby is kind of a hypothetical for dad. Mom has been getting up twice a night to pee because the baby's kicking her bladder. She's much more intimately related to this baby. And one of the things I candidly tell dads as a result is you have got to earn her trust. She probably is going to trust herself more than she trusts you with this baby. And it's very important that you set about earning her trust so that the baby, she knows that when the baby is with dad, the baby is good because that's pivotal to everything about the future. Everything about the rest of that dad's and mom's life is, does she trust dad with the baby? The clinical term for it is maternal gatekeeping. Uh, it's, and it's a topic we, we address in a great deal. Mom generally trusts herself more than she trusts dad. And as a result, she can unknowingly get between dad and the baby and 
bring him to a point where she's the only one who can really care for the baby. Now I can go into this in great detail, but one of the pieces of advice that I give to new moms is you've got to take on the difficult task of allowing yourself to trust dad with the baby uh, because uh, the rest of your life really depends on it. So it, it can be the difference between joy in a family and real tension in that family. And that can be permanent. I can go into that in greater detail, but in talking to moms, you've got to allow him to uh, build your trust. Yeah. And what about in talking to dads? What are some of the piece of, pieces of advice or tips that you find yourself sharing with them? <laughs> it's kind of the flip side. I, have, I, I tell them that you have got to earn mom's trust. And there are a lot of ways to do that without demanding it. Uh, being active in the hospital, leveraging her fatigue. And one of the things that I, I tell them is, is to trust yourself. You are wired to be a dad to the same nth degree that mom is wired to be a mom. You're going through significant hormone changes, just like she is around fatherhood. It's just that your wiring is completely different from hers. And your wiring has been allowed to atrophy ever since the beginning of the Industrial Revolution. Uh, fatherhood has come through about is coming out of about a 150 year period where we have extremely low expectations for dads. The prosperity that we began to experience when we moved uh, when we moved into the industrial revolution has resulted in an awful lot of isolation in the family. Uh, we've prospered since we moved from a hunter gatherer society to a and uh, into a more manufacturing based, technology based society. You know, one of the things I tell dads is that kids used to be born as assets. They were needed as cheap labor in the fields. But right around the 1870s, uh, the Industrial Revolution comes along and suddenly we condense to the cities from the farms. And dad is where dad used to be out in the field, wondering how young the kids could be before they started helping pick potatoes. Now he's gone 12 to 14 hours a day. And the family unit becomes much more transactional. We don't need kids. And for a long time, kids had amazing freedom. They could go off, just be home by the time the, the streetlights turned on. And mom uh, was able to relax and be, well, not relax, but she became all things household. She didn't have to work. So she became the domestic engineer. She was responsible for the pristine home that we see in the Leave it to Beaver days and the Mad Men days. And that's isolating for everybody. And the expectations that uh, transitioned to dad too. Uh, 15 years ago, a survey was done where they asked, uh, they asked respondents who your image of fatherhood is. Homer Simpson beat out Bill Cosby almost two to one. That was our image of fatherhood. We can do a lot better than that. Um, what, and so what do you tell um, these men about doing better than that? What are the qualities you think that need to be built upon so that we have stronger family units and a stronger presence of fatherhood? Yes. Uh, key to that is understanding that dads need to trust themselves and the impact that fathers have on their children, especially their daughters. Uh, the research right now is exploding on the impact of fathers on their daughters, for instance. And I tell these guys that if you trust yourself, you're going to radically change your children's lives. Uh, and your house will be a place of kind of joy and adventure. Whereas if you try to enter the shallow end of the pool and sort of say, 
How little can this baby inconvenience me? You're setting your life up for being much less of an adventure, possibly much less uh, even introducing tension into the home and into the family. A number of guys take the class uh, as part of custody hearings. About, oh, once every couple of months, we'll have a guy saying, yeah, I'm here on my, on my lawyer's advice because um, mom and I are not together. And in order to get custody, I have to, uh, I, this, is part of, this is part of my process. And I introduce the concept of gatekeeping and say, okay, sit down with mom and talk and tell her, I need to earn your trust. The baby needs me uh, to be confident and to be involved and earn her trust, talk to her about gatekeeping now and help her to allow you to build her trust. And these guys who are in the class for custody hearings, generally, very often, they stop the class at that point and they look around at the rest of the participants and say, he is absolutely right. I'm here uh, and I'm in a fight with mom right now precisely because I did not have that conversation with her prior to the birth. She doesn't trust me, I don't trust her, and we're at loggerheads. So uh, build, trusting themselves and building that trust into mom is phenomenally a watershed thing we talk about. Hmm. So do you find are there's that kind of emotion that goes on in that in that kind of environment, men are, they get emotional about these kind of topics? Yes. Um, generally, it's the veteran dads coming back and saying, yeah, this is, uh, this is how this affected me. I ask the veteran dads a simple question. I say, are you a different person now than you were before the baby born, uh, was born? The guys usually stop. The veteran dads usually stop at that point, look around and say, I am an entirely different person than I was before. Um, again, going back to the hormone changes, and it, it goes back to your question. There's deliberate change that we that we say, okay, this is what I'm going to do this differently, and then there's the change you experience, and that um, that's on a lot of levels. But it's the hormone level. The men are experiencing a spike in oxytocin, a spike in prolactin. They're going to experience a roughly a 33% drop in testosterone, and these guys are living it, and they're saying, I am an entirely different person now. Uh, I have different priorities. I have different concerns. I have different values. And that helps instill it in the, the expected dads that this is the biggest transition they'll ever go through in their life. It's so powerful what you all talk about. And then how did, how did you, I don't know if it's a shift or like in addition to what you do, but I know that one of the things you talk to fathers about as well is breastfeeding. And so how did that come to be? And what do you share with the fathers around breastfeeding? Yeah, um, it, it is. It isn't a formal part of a boot camp. It's something that I, I finally learned after interviewing. I've interviewed uh, probably 2,500 uh, what I call fourth trimester fathers, these guys who have a three-month-old. And I've learned over the years when I bring up breastfeeding, they all get really hushed. And uh, so I asked him two questions. I said, how many days was it before mom figured out how to breastfeed and the baby figured it out? And they usually say about 10 days to two weeks. And that's surprising for the veteran dads or the rookie dads because they expect it to be natural. And then I asked the second question, how did mom feel about herself when breastfeeding wasn't going well? And that's when the veteran dads get really ominous. They, they say she, uh, she felt like a failure. She, um, she really beat herself up. On a scholarly level, it's called negative identity level self-talk. The veteran dad just say she beat the daylights out of herself. She did not like herself. She um, Sometimes it results in anger and resentment toward the baby. 
uh, feelings of failure, a lot of tears. And after hearing those kind of responses over and over, I began to start focusing on it. And now I can say with a great deal of confidence to these expectant dads, the biggest challenge you're coming, you're going to be facing is not the birth. You're going to have a lot of professionals around you for the birth. The biggest challenge coming at you is supporting mom through breastfeeding. And it kind of, I'll, I'll turn the question back to you, um, Dr. Cheryl. Um, how did you feel about yourself in those days and times when breastfeeding wasn't going well? Oh, yeah. I mean, every, I think every woman has her own story, but I have three kids and my first one, she just wouldn't latch, wouldn't latch. I had a, a lactation specialist, you know, come in at the hospital. Then I had a lactation specialist come into the home and I was just pumping because she wouldn't latch. So I was like pumping, nursing, pumping, nursing. And my mother and grandmother came and I remember them saying, which wasn't helpful, but you know, <laughs> you just need to relax. You just need to relax. And so I just remember being like, first of all, my body no longer feels private, right? <laughs> Everybody can just come in and squeeze me and move me and all these things. But it was an awful, awful feeling with tears, with feelings of failure, with feeling like, why can't I do something that's clearly meant to be? This is the way it's supposed to be. So um, I do think even as, uh, you know, a new mother, I really never dreamed it would be so difficult and emotional. It still was hard with the other two, but a little bit easier, but it kind of never gets easier if it doesn't, if it doesn't go well and it's painful and it's your body all of a sudden is no longer really yours. You know, I remember we'd go somewhere and I'd be like, well, we only have like two hours because then I'm going to be engorged and then I'm going to start to leak. And then, you know, it was, it became a whole thing. And um, so, yes, very much so. I mean, I'm sure single parents, you know, have different experiences, but when you have a partner, um, they're very involved too, because it's like, step on it. We got to go. I'm in pain or the baby's crying and I can feed it, but we're in the car or whatever it is. And it just, it is a whole family or whoever's in your system it becomes a whole thing. And I get the privilege of helping expectant dads support mom through that, uh, steward her through that, and help her understand that every woman goes through that. And so, yeah, that's uh, that's what I get to do is, and it's, it's, it's a little like a flu shot. I am encouraging these guys to say, okay, tell mom something painful is about to happen and you are going to be there for her and help her through that. So those are some examples of the, of the challenges we face. I will not pull punches. Uh, one final story, I guess. I, uh, I, I introduced a, a theory to a class a few years ago, and I said that becoming a father is the biggest transition you'll ever go through. There are two tr other transitions I can think of that come close. I said one transition I can think of in life is uh, joining military service. I said, you know, when you do that, you they take you to a different state, they shave your head, they give you different clothes to wear, you live in an entirely different environment, sometimes you visit foreign countries, sometimes you do things you spend a lifetime recovering from. That is the transition to military service. I said, that seems about to be the, the same size as becoming a of transition as becoming a dad. The other transition is losing a limb. You lose an arm or a leg and your whole day changes how you drive a car, how you get up in the morning, how you move through the kitchen, how you put on clothes, it becomes different. 
And I threw this theory. I said, I told the, told the guys in the class, I, I've never experienced either of those. So it's only a theory that that's a, but those are transitions. That's the magnitude of the transition that you, I believe you are going to experience. And I had a veteran dad who sat patiently and waited, listened. And I threw the theory out at that class for a reason. He waited for me to be done. And he said, Skylar makes a point, but he's wrong. Becoming a dad is bigger than both of those. <laughs> Becoming a dad is bigger than both of those transitions combined, he said. And he did know. He'd lost his leg in Desert Storm. <laughs> and big six foot four guy, burly guy carrying around his three month old daughter. And he said, becoming a dad is bigger than both of those combined. That told everyone, including me, just the, the magnitude of what it is to become a father. It reminded me what a privilege it is for me to steward guys and to help equip them for the, the biggest change and the most important change they'll ever experience. Yeah, wow, what a what a really beautiful story. I love that you're doing this because there are so there's so much more written about for I think women and clearly in some ways it's a very different process. What I like about this is that it it sort of brings together what they do have in common. The transformation they're going to go through, the stress they're going to go through and you can either do that together or you can do it as opposing forces. Mm -hmm. Right. And the stress will sometimes even make the best of partners be opposing forces. But I think what you do probably has some pretty significant outcomes. Do you all track any of that? Do you follow these dads or anything like that? Uh, the main tracking that I do is I have these guys back and I hear their stories afterwards and I hear uh, like I said, I get to interview these guys. It's a privilege to interview these guys before their birth and then three months later when they're living it. Uh, one of the things we do is we talk very candidly about uh, shaken baby syndrome and how 74% of all shaken babies are shaken by dad. And I had a guy, another story, I had a guy uh, tell, and one of the things we do is I ask guys to promise never to shake their babies. They have to say it in a full sentence to me and to any other coach. And I had a veteran dad come back and say, I was deeply offended when Skylar made me answer that question. I thought that was awful. And I, and he said, and that's the only reason my child is alive right now, is that wow. promise I made. And we all looked at him and say, wow, were you really going to shake your baby? And Greg, he's a buddy of mine on Facebook now, and he's not in prison. He looked back and he said, no, I wasn't going to shake my son. Uh, I had a spot picked down the wall. I was getting ready to throw him. Wow. And that promise was the only thing that kept me from doing it. And he sort of holds up his son. And he says, yeah, he's, he's alive now because of that promise, which I was so offended that I would actually have to make. Yeah, it, it is. And then we also tell him one out of four babies is shaken by mom. And going back to the breastfeeding, I have a feeling it's very closely associated with that. The, the connection between what used to be called postpartum depression is now perinatal mood and anxiety disorders. The connection between that and breastfeeding is very strong. They One causes the other and the other causes the other. So we help avert an awful lot. By equipping dads, we help avert an awful lot of really core level struggles that mom can go through too. Yeah, I'm so glad that you have them say that and uh, essentially make a contract and just bring it to their awareness because initially you think that is offensive or that would never be me, never, until you're there and until you can't quiet a, a crying baby. 
and until it's the middle of the night and you're sleep deprived and you're not even thinking straight. And it's really, that's really, really powerful. And that's not something I've ever heard, you know, as a mother or even as we took classes in the hospital, it's not something that we ever had to engage in. So I really, (laughs) I love that you do that. That's wonderful. I love that you do all of this. Where can people find out more about Bootcamp for Dads and what you're up to and what you're doing? Uh, Bootcamp for New Dads uh, is a, is on, uh, just go to bootcampfornewdads.org. Uh, and I encourage every every father considering it to, to not make the mistake I made. Register, sign up for a class. It is pivotal. And uh, they're also available uh, if you go on to any, any, just about any hospital in Denver and as well in and find out about it there. But yeah, you can sign up for a class or via Zoom now and they're well worth the time. Wonderful. So. And so is that a nonprofit organization? It is a nonprofit organization. Uh, that's how they're that's how they're structured and it allows them to work with other nonprofit organizations in that way. Like okay. hospitals. Yeah. So ultimately is this class available for anyone, any new dad, let's say there's, I don't know how much it costs or if there's the financial cost to it, how does mm-hmm. that there's work? Cost. There's cost and also there's a boot camp for new moms now too. Um, enough dads went through this that moms said, wait a second, we wanna hear from others. And um, so it's their boot camp for new moms is now available as well. And we're looking forward to the day that we get to do this in person again. But for now we're taking advantage of the reach Anyone, anywhere can participate. They just need to find out when the next, when the session is, sign up for it. And yeah, there's a cost to it, but it's it's pennies. It's, it's infinitesimal compared to the cost of not taking it. Yeah, so. wonderful. Well, thank you so much for coming on and mm-hmm. sharing that sort of new dad perspective and journey. This is the mm-hmm. first time I've uh, had anybody that I'm just speaking about you know, this topic. So I really appreciate it. I can come back. (laughs) You can come back. I guess I want, I want to know more. I I do. You are welcome back anytime. And thank you for the work that you're doing really on behalf of just families, because that's what this is enhancing as children and families. And, and the importance of fatherhood is something I talk a lot about. So I'm glad that you brought that up and, um, Again, thank you so much for coming. And if you're listening to this episode right now, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe. Very honored to be here. Thank you so much, Cheryl.